0: At scene on the last relationship-driven growth open mic, <laughs> uh, our community member and my buddy Simon Zaterka, his, uh, he's got a really compelling consulting business happening. He's this uh, really experienced chef that's run a bunch of kitchens, and now he's using that experience to consult. But you know, it's not about consulting on like how to make a good plate, right? The chef is somebody that is actually a master manager and a master motivator and knows how to set up processes to to create a specific outcome. And that's why he wanted to bring his business and like his messaging and how he's positioning himself as a kitchen mechanic to the community to see how to best represent himself. And um, my LinkedIn friend, Joe Zbach, who is a uh, category designer and a, and a great marketer, gave him some really good advice on how to do it. So we wanted to clip this thing out and share it with you from uh, from this open mic session, hoping to encourage you to show up, right? Like after the show on Mondays at 4.30, right around 5.30, we start kicking it into this open mic session where anybody can bring a, a messaging issue or a strategy issue and get some really good feedback from me and more importantly, from the rest of the community, And uh, if that doesn't happen, I'm always there with some really good tips and uh, ideas of what I'm seeing in the ecosystem. So I hope you join us one of these days. But for right now, give a listen to this great advice from my buddy Joe Spock to Simon Saterka on relationship-driven growth, open mic sessions. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome. To the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community? When you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue. That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable. How to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short term goals and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO. CMO or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community you are just a commodity but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities this show is for you If you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy, this show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go.
1: The big thoughts that start to pop out for me as and for Venya and Joe, my company is called The Culinary Mechanic. And it's really interesting as it is it all, we, you know, we're in month six now. And it's like, OK, I'm a restaurant consultant, but there's this whole thing where if you watch television, if you look around the world, chefs are becoming like this four letter word, right? Because chefs are these supposedly these glamorous, like glowing, glimmering things. But the work that is done is done by cooks and done by and, and cooking is very much a mechanical thing. So for me, it's like, hmm, there's something in who's a culinary mechanic? Oh, I'm a culinary mechanic. And so that's kind of why I've been showing up. Pablo is just to kind of continue to hone the idea of what I'm not even in the beginnings of it, but it strikes my brain when I listen to the whole social penetration theory and the onions. I'm like, ha, this is all really everything I've been thinking. So.
2: I like your, the languaging there. Is your point of view, like this idea of like, shunning the celebrity culture around chefs and just getting back to the simple idea of preparing food for another person and like getting the joy from that and not the so yes
1: (laughs) yes it is like i mean you can compare it to things like slow food right where like it's just dropping it back down in a first and making good food for a group or other people but it's also kind of within the restaurant industry remembering that it's not like being a chef isn't necessarily the glamorous thing that you get to see right like whether it's oh god what did i watch yesterday next level chefs they have social media chefs like really where i come from a chef is a leader right so you're literally now leading your the people that you influence on tiktok when you do a 60 minute 60 second video about your crepe right so but for me it's a little bit more about the fact that restaurants are Amazing machines that crank out. I mean, to see a well tuned restaurant is to see like amazing amounts of hospitality, efficiency, coordination, all those things that that really operate on multiple levels and multiple businesses everywhere. The joke for my wife and I is, oh, you couldn't run a restaurant like that. Like you're out somewhere and you see bad customer service or you see bad coordination, you just see something jumbling like at the mechanic, right? Like the Les Schwab or the Pet Boys. And you go, God, what are you doing? Like, this guy's not paying attention to that guy. That guy's not listening to that guy. So, yes, it's the interaction between somebody feeding so, another, but also like the representation of the fundamentals of running of what a, a good cook does or a good business does.
2: So, is it like getting the restaurant out of the way of a great food experience? Yeah.
1: Though I very much with Culinary Mechanic, I think of taking all the systems and processes that make a great experience and tuning them, right? I mean, I, I work with people on almost every day uh, and we look at just literally mapping and defining processes. Like, okay, so you got to update those prices. How do you do that? <laughs> uh, you You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that, it's just sort of the nuts and bolts.
2: So Simon, something that you said really just resonated with me in a weird way that might make sense. It might not. Pablo mentioned that we, our company, which I'm a marketer at Luma Health, introduced the patient success category. You don't have to be super familiar with healthcare, but the way that we went about the category design is it used to be like patient outreach and then it was patient engagement and now it's patient success. So it's like this evolution. And one of the ways that that we depositioned the old category of way of thinking was that it was very much limited in scope and lacking the full breadth of what it takes now to really compete and win in a modern healthcare environment, right? So the parallel that I'm drawing is instead of saying, because from a product standpoint, we did a lot of the same feature function as someone that would call them patient engagement or the old way, right? But the way we did it was much more holistically and much more connected. Right. But it's really hard to say end to end without sounding like a jargon machine. So what we did was we crafted this much bigger narrative and we said that the problem wasn't disengagement, it was disconnection. And we told this story, right, that was bigger and was more of a mindset around the real goal isn't just engaged patients. It's successful patients because I have my own personal health story where I was a very, very engaged father to be going through the process of IVF and all of this shit and having to navigate this really disjointed and be my own champion, right? I was successful despite of how the US healthcare system works, right? And so I have this like bigger narrative that I hope builds a community and aligns, but the parallel, which is weird, maybe you'll disagree with this, but it could be useful is if you're gonna be a culinary mechanic it's not just about when you get there as a chef and like you do the prep. I don't know. I don't know your world at all. You do oh. the prep, you do this, and you serve it, and like all the other departments and stuff do what they do. No, you've got to look at it holistically, right? Because it's not just about getting hot food into the mouth of a person. It's about thinking about the entire experience from the point of view of the diner. And it's not just a transaction, but an opportunity to create a relationship. And in order to do that, you've got to think about all of the pieces of the machine, right, that work together to craft, right, this plate of experience. And it's not just this little thing where a lot of people always think of, it's this bigger holistic thing, right? So that could be, that's why I think it's a parallel between where we're at and where you want to go. Oof, that was a
0: golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in, connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review, you just gotta hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool, and maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. What
1: do you think? Totally agree. I think that what I have done is even to like in some ways zoom farther in, (laughs) zoom all farther in and then come way back out is to say. I'm actually not lo- I'm actually not working with the front of the house, the servers or I'm almost detaching from the food. If that makes sense. Like obviously the idea is that I want to affect a better experience in the restaurant, but there's so much behind. Well, let me say it this way. My buddies and I who are all chefs, we all kind of nod at each other every once in a while and go being a great chef is not or being a great cook good food is not enough to be a great chef. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right so if, if you start there if you start from there and back up and go wait 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 it's how i am organized when i order the product from the vendor right from the farm or the fishmonger or whoever it's how i'm organized when i take inventory of what i have what i order what i receive So all the steps before I ever even touch the bloody food to go, wow, sexy carrot, (laughs) right? Before I ever get there, there's a whole stack of things that, that cooks and chefs, the great ones don't necessarily have checklists for it, right? The great ones, the Thomas Kellers of the world, it's been so ingrained in how they do it. But the very mediocre, they need some help, right? Like... You you walk. I've walked into kitchens and I just see a bunch of people running around like ants. And I go, "A, who's in charge? B, what direction are you guys rowing? And wow, why are you all spinning in circles?" Right. And so it's so then it becomes okay. There's the systems, the processes, but nobody's leading. And so the other steps that I take to to work with folks are to say, "Hey, leadership 101. Let's start. Let's start here. Let's start the back." So that mm-hmm. for me is what the culinary mechanic thing has kind of become. Yeah. So
2: that makes a lot of sense there.
1: And then like, at that point, like people identifying with, with just being, a, and then people identifying with, oh, being a great cook, if that makes sense. Yeah. Almost separately, but.
2: Healthcare parallel, I think continues in that. Totally. Like it's not just about quality care, like that alone isn't enough. It's about the full experience leading up to and after that, that determines whether or not you're going to be around for this next era of healthcare. And I think one of the ways that idea could manifest and something that I've played with in my own LinkedIn musings and whatnot is like, would you agree that like getting food on a plate is not the goal? Because that might Kind of like Salesforce's no software campaign, that might get somebody long, paused, to pause long enough to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. So it's like your point of view, right? That is like that little thing that lets somebody stay with you long enough to consume the rest of what you have to say. Like the goal is not hot food on a plate. That's actually just a convenient byproduct of a well oiled machine.
3: I love, uh, I, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love right? that,
2: man. Oof.
3: And then from there,
2: you get to present your whole book of services, your starting point, your underlying process. But if that's the little hook to go from like mediocre to what all the best chefs have in common, and then you get to write those clickbaity, but payoff like lines about, this is discover the secrets of like the actual it's, success.
3: It's reminding me a lot of the before state after state discussion yeah, with eight yeah. hundred Got Junk, where one of their most famous, most lucrative, most viable ads that they ever launched had not even a single word on it aside from their phone number for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And all it was a web banner that they took out on YouTube. And it was a lawn with a garage sale going on. And a couple that obviously looked very disgruntled. And then a truck came by and it said 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And as the trunk left, the entire lawn was completely and totally clean. And the couple was hugging in their driveway. And it had nothing to do with the trash. It had nothing to do with the junk. All of the attention went on to the incredibly small little, maybe 45-pixel husband and wife. They're disgruntled. Now they're happy. <laughs> for and after state. I like it.
2: Yeah, Simon, you could do a like an ad campaign where you put like delicious looking food and like just be so fun to work on appetizing contexts.
3: It also draws an additional parallel for me where I get kind of fed up with a lot of community managers coming in and saying that the definition of community is a space where you produce belonging. And I'm like, Producing belonging is not the definition of community. It is the effect. It's the thing that you're looking for to come out of a community. But how are you going to define the very integral function of a community merely by a single byproduct of it? And it kind of reminds me a lot of that as well. Like, how are you going to take this entire concept of chefs and A culture of cuisine and put it at the end of saying it's about getting food out on a plate. That's not what it is. It's about the camaraderie, the connection, the teamwork, the expression of the culture of the food that they are cooking, the chef's desire to connect with the people on the other end to make them happy. It's about the smiles. It reminds me a lot of that as well. Like you're in the business of producing belonging as a community. You're in the business of producing a plate of food, but in all actuality, you're really in the business of bringing people together around a reticent culture. It just has to do with calories. Yeah, it's some
1: fun stuff. My brain is leaking out the side of my head. Sorry. Way. No, it's okay. I lo- I like it. It's kind of a it's kind of a, the good sort of pain. But it's like, whew, boy, it's the byproduct of spending 35 years strapped to a stove. <laughs>
0: This is cool, man. Like, I'm glad we asked you to speak up, Simon, right? Because this is the whole, to jo- job Joe first timer, right? Like the whole point is like, we're here. I'm trying to seed conversations. And at some point something erupts where like a bunch of people are giving great advice. I already reached out to Rowan to clip that point where you're like giving him that piece. And I think I'm going to, I published just segments of this as far as my podcast. I think I'm just going to publish that kind of like from when Simon starts talking until now, right? Like I think it's a valuable conversation of how to position what you're doing based on like benefits versus, you know, versus features, right? Like it's kind of what it came to with POV and everything like that. I wanted to share something that I want everybody to percolate on because it's really it really opened up my mind at this mastermind I was on. But Jerry was sharing these like different frameworks. And one of them was this three frameworks for what business models need to be about. And he brought up product leadership, operational excellence, and customer intimacy. Basically, meaning this guides where you allocate resources to the most when you have them and what everything else just needs to be good enough. Right. So a product leadership business model. Things are going well, you got some resources to spare, you're going to hire engineers, you're going to hire you know, materials for the product, R&D, stuff like that. An operational excellence business model is meant to drive efficiency, drive low cost, drive ease of use, right? So you get some extra resources, you're going to invest it in software, you're going to invest in systems, things of the sort. And then there's the customer int- intimacy business model, which is like, you are investing 100% in experience, right? So you get extra resources, you invested in like ways to engage your clientele, things that you can do with them, you know, listening tools, things like that. And I thought it would really clarify kind of like a lot of struggles that I've had as I've been building my business, right? Like I know that Gina, Gina who's our COO, she is the reason why we have a culture and we have these systems and we're able to serve multiple clients. She's driven by an operational excellence business model. And I'm driven by customer intimacy, right? Like I want to get as deep into a client as I can and shuck and jive and do whatever I can in order to get that thing to succeed instead of creating the business model that's like, hey, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. And that's why we can sell it to 10,000 people, right? So- I wanted to just kind of like seed that com- seed that thing in your mind because I think if you're if you're having conversations with your team, right? Like think about what you're motivated by. If or think about what you are if if you're the head of the team, think about what you are telling people is your priority. And if you can kind of segment it into product leadership, operational excellence and customer intimacy and be very clear about what those things are, Then when you get into these conversations of, no, we can't do that because we need to stick to these systems versus, no, we can't do that because it's not best for the client, start to get very, very clear and starts to give you like a really good framework of where to devote effort and how to have those conversations. Well, I hope that was really valuable to you. Like I said, I'll take this as an opportunity. If you've got a, an issue that you're working with that you need some advice on from my community or from an expert that I can bring in, I'm happy to facilitate that discussion. And it all starts after the internet talk show on t- on Mondays at uh, 5.30. So you can show up for the show, you can stick around for the open mic session, or you can just show up for the open mic session somewhere around 5.30. But uh, I want to see you there. So let me know what I can help with. And if you got a friend that's in this situation... Send him to the show. And of course, gotta thank my team as always. Number one, I always thank Roanne because she just keeps me doing all the things I need to be doing as the account manager on this project. Gina, who's built this amazing world-class culture and brought us an amazing team and recruited amazing talent like her right-hand Marge who makes everything happen. Um, JP, our employee number one who does all the, all the cool stuff, right? He's making all the videos. He's making all the all the audio stuff, everything that you see and touch is touched by the creative uh, director of our company, JP Employee Number One, who is training another awesome creative, Philippe, to um, you know follow in his footsteps and do great things for us, like the client activations that we do for our clients and uh, repurposing that type of content, all helped by Rita, our content strategist, who basically takes the things that we promise and makes sure that you get the results that we say um, based on the content that we were creating, right? Like making sure it's all congruent, the story is right, that you're getting the results that you need. Our two awesome account managers, uh, Joanna and Joyce, and our amazing superstar writer, Nicola, who's been my buddy now for four, like four or five years. He's turning into a man. When I first started mentoring when he was 13 and he interviewed me on a podcast and now he's becoming a world class writer. So wanna thank the whole team. And I want to encourage you to always, always consider the impact
1: of relationships being more valuable than transactions. See you next week.